the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show, heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, faithtalk1360.com. And please go to our website, rescuersradioshow.org, where you can hear all of the shows on podcast at once they've aired at... Uh, 1360. And uh, this is a, a listener supported uh, show, and you can donate through the website as well. If you're interested in doing that, you'll find a little purple, purple button, I think it is. So, uh, my guest uh, this morning, I'm really, really excited about this. Um, Chuck Reeves, founder of Sales Suites, but also uh, combat related PTSD. And uh, Chuck, hello. <laughs> it's so good to see you again, Art. <laughs> good to see you as well. And and um, and everybody's watching us on the radio, right? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so I comb my hair. <laughs> so, uh, hey, before we, we look into your fascinating calling and mission, um, uh, please allow our worldwide audience to get to know you. Um, how did you get to this place in your life? Interesting question. Uh, grew up a preacher's kid. Shy, uh, uneducated, don't have a degree. And AT&T, the largest corporation in the world, hired me when I came home from Vietnam. As an entry-level technician, I decided I would retire as an entry-level technician. But God intervened, and I found myself in sales after 10 years of soldering wires. (laughs) Went to the sales department, the only one there without a degree. Didn't own a suit. Spoke with a southern accent couldn't speak in public, could not meet strangers. In my first full year as an account exec, I was their highest producer out of 1,100 people. Wow. Now, I didn't do that, obviously. <laughs> so they apply the Peter principle. You do good at one level, they promote you to the next one until they promote you into a job you can't do. So they made me a national account manager, and I took the last place account to number five or number four. And then I was praying one morning, thanking God for the success, and he said two words, get out. Mm. See, I believe Move on. God doesn't have a purpose for everyone. He has purposes for everyone. Mm-hmm. This is not your first rodeo, is it? Nope. <laughs> and when you finish the last one, it's, okay, now what are you going to do? Yeah. So my experience in Vietnam led to a number of encounters with other vets who were suffering from PTSD, done a lot of research and work in that area, 
and that's what brought us together. Awesome. So, um, uh, let's let's uh, thank you for the little bit about your sales background. Uh, I will add a nugget, though. Uh, you've you've addressed uh, f- over five thousand audience all, audiences all over the all over the world in all fifty states. Have heard your presentations. So you are an encourager, and yes, a, and a teacher. <laughs> As a matter of fact, our family mission statement is encouragement. My wife's an encourager. I'm an encourager. And I think everybody does that to a greater or lesser degree, but if you focus on it, you're going to do a lot of it. Well, I would assume that that, that leadership probably had something to do with your your military background, too. It helped you, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. It, uh, in ways we may not think, my first leadership job was as a squad leader in Vietnam at the ripe old age of 20 responsible for my life, the lives of four other men, $100,000 in equipment, five M16s, an M60 machine gun, an M79 grenade launcher, two radios, you get the picture. And they assigned me the responsibility of being a forward observer, which is typically reserved for officers only because I had learned to read a map. So can you imagine at the age of 20, if on your command... You would give a six- or eight-digit number into a radio, and the end of the world would fall in that coordinate. Mm. And I realized I did it wrong a lot of times, and I did it right many times. But the leadership in Vietnam was trained for conventional warfare. My CO was a West Point graduate. He wrote me up for discipline twice. (laughs) And at the end of the day, he gave me a bronze star. So, we, <laughs> Oh, yeah, here. <laughs> I think I sold the guy. But um, if we had obeyed orders, we, don't, we probably wouldn't have come home because yeah. the conventional warfare strategies do not work in a guerrilla war. Yeah. Well, during that era, I, I'm a Vietnam era, mm-hmm. never, never in combat. And uh, I was working with B-52s and making sure they had bombs that would work when they drop them. You supported me when I was there. Oh, wow. Yes. Mm. You know, uh, Project Arclight was the one I was on. Uh, it was what? Project Arclight. Oh, Project Arclight. Yeah. That, well, that rings a familiar bell. Bombs from 40,000 feet. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A good buddy of mine, Jerry Coffey, was a POW in the Hanoi Hilton. Charlie Plum is another. They're both professional speakers. Uh, we lost Jerry last year. But mm. um, when we meet, when we speak, and people come up afterwards and they apologize for being a war protester or they say, well, I'm Vietnam era, don't ever put that down. The protesters were not wrong. Mm. Anyone who served, in fact, frankly, an experience I had with a gentleman who served in Vietnam prompted the book that I wrote. It prompted this ministry that I'm in. I was speaking to this audience. Maybe there were six or 800 people there, I'll mm-hmm. say. And walking across the parking lot to the meeting, I got this idea about how to close the presentation. So it was mostly motivation, but it had some sales information yeah. in it. And I did it. And when I got to the end, I said, you know, In our culture, whenever a speaker stops talking, we applaud. Either we got something out of it or we're glad they're finally done, but but we applaud. 
I said, I want to change that today. If you wore a uniform in service to our country, mm. would you stand? Oh, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but would you stand? And reluctantly, some of them finally stood up. Mm. I said, now would the rest of you give that applause to these people? Yeah. Well, afterwards, there was a long line, as usual, shaking hands and talking and sharing ideas. But this one couple came up about my age, about your age, late 30s. This couple. <laughs> Thank you very much. We can dream. Yeah. This couple came up, and he was blubbering. I could not understand what he was saying. Mm. And finally, he, she said, first time. First time anyone has acknowledged his service. Wow. Now, it was a pretty ugly time. It was ugly. Veterans coming uh, coming out, and they were just treated badly. Yes. And as a result of that, between 1975 and 1990, a 15-year span, the war ended, typically. Well, the war ended in 75. Yeah. 9,000 veterans committed suicide. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. It's 6,000 a year now. Oh, my Wow. So listening to this program, it's highly likely that there's someone who is thinking about, if they haven't already tried and failed, doing the ultimate destruction to themselves. Oh. Now, if you break that down, there are 530 suicides every month. So that's about 10 per state. So in your state, there are 10 people. There are uh, 900,000 attempts every year. Oh my gosh. Or self-harm. The Vietnam vet, my experience, I think was very typical. I came home, my dad was a World War II vet. He and I earned the same medals, which we didn't know until he a week before he died. Wow. But he was in the hospital for a year for his wounds in World War II. And I came home from Nam and I showed him my medal and said, I just wanted you to know that I did my part. And he kind of poo-pooed it. And then as we have grown through this, I stopped talking about Vietnam. Nobody wanted to hear about it. When I finally got out of, got off of Hill 55 trying to make my way home because I was out of the Army, but I just couldn't get home, and my plane was destroyed the first night of Tet. Oh, that's not encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> what am I up to here, God? I uh, finally got home. I got to, I was rejected at the airport. People saw that I was a coming-home Vietnam vet, and I thought, well, this is just people. Um, was rejected even at my church. My dad said—not my dad. My mother wanted me to wear the full-dress uniform to church with all the ribbons and cords yeah. and stuff. And some of the people didn't like that. Oh, my. I went to apply for a job, and they were interviewing three of us at one time. So we're sitting in chairs across from the interviewer. And I was number three, and he said, so what have you been doing for the last year? By then, I was fed up. I said, I was a mercenary. I've been in Vietnam. And the two other guys moved their chairs. So I realized, mm. don't talk about it. Now, here's the difference in World War II and Vietnam. Yeah. In World War II, these soldiers, this is just Army, the Army and Marine, yeah. saw 10 active days of combat a year. In Vietnam, if you were in active combat, it was 240 days. Thank you for the helicopters. Insertion and removal. Uh, insertion and extraction. Yeah. My neighbor flew a Huey. I just met him recently. Yeah. He said a six-hour day was a day off for them, flying people into combat situations and flying them back out. 
If they were wounded, he flew them out. If they were seriously wounded, a medevac had them. But this went on day after day after day. So when we talk about PTSD, trauma, yeah. it could happen because you saw a car wreck and saw something awful happen. That would create a trauma. Well, that's an event. Imagine having events, multiple events, every day for 240 days. Oh, my gosh. And no. And then coming home and not having the support. Well, now it's flipped completely. We're having to deal with stolen valor. In the 2000 census, there were 1.7 million Americans that went and served in Vietnam. How many said they served in Vietnam in the 2000 census? Not 1.7 million, 9.5 million. Wow. I lived in Atlanta the night Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record. Yay. <laughs> Couldn't get into the stadium. The stadium only sat 72,000 people. Guess how many people were there? Over 2 million. <laughs> See, we want to be associated with a winner, don't we? Yep. Okay. We're on the precipice of America not being the winner anymore. Yeah. Look sad at what, sad what, but true. Yeah, look at what we are doing to our culture, to our children, to ourselves, to our economy, for Pete's sake. Yeah. So when I got actively involved with some other veterans, I found out it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to feel and do the things that we do. Mm-hmm. I've got a good buddy that uh, keeps a machete under his sofa to this day, afraid somebody's going to charge in the door. Oh, my gosh. Well, as only God could do, me with my lack of education and sophistication, (laughs) has me now in front of both on the sales side at AT AT&T and now in my speaking career with senior executives and with celebrities. Mm. And we get backstage or I was traveling with this one man. I shouldn't have taken the job. He's mean as a snake and his employees didn't like him and they were leaving and it was just awful. So we spoke at a meeting, and he said, you drive me back to the airport. So we're in the car together. And he broke. He said, you're here for me. Oh. And he started crying. Oh, my gosh. People need to understand that. Yeah. Um, CFO, chief financial officer, drove me back to the airport from the work I was doing. And when we got to the airport, he was thanking me, and he had changed 90 degrees, 180 degrees, I'll say. It was significant how he had changed. And he gave me a card to read. It was in an envelope. And I put it in my coat pocket and got on the plane, got busy and forgot about it. In the old days, we used to use what was called boarding passes. Some yeah. of the young people <laughs> won't remember that. That's right. So I reached in my pocket for the boarding pass, and there's that envelope. I opened it up. It was from his wife, Kathy. Oh. Said very simply, thank you for my new husband. <gasps> oh, my now, I look at incidents like that yeah. in my very limited exposure, and I think, how many of these situations are out there? Yeah. How many people are there that tonight are going to go to bed with the wrong thoughts? Yeah. Or they're going to get up with the wrong My thoughts? gosh. And you wrote a book about about this, I, I, I imagine, um, P- PTSD. It's called a man in man in Nam. A boy becomes a man in, in Nam. Understanding the cause of PTSD. 
It's the cause. Yeah. The cause. But here's some good news. Yeah. Okay, there's the cause of PTSD. And then there are triggers. What causes me to have flashbacks? What causes my nightmares? What causes me to be kind of useless for a day? Yeah. Well, there are the triggers. But a week ago, this is going to be a flash report on your program. <laughs> The VA released a study they did for a year with about 100,000 veterans. And what they found was if the veteran is taking vitamin D, the least cost supplement, pharmaceutical companies won't even advertise it because they can't make much money off of it. If they will take vitamin D, they'll have a 45% reduction in suicides and self-harm. Really? Unless... They are dark-skinned because darker skin doesn't absorb vitamin D as well as lighter skin. They have a 67% reduction if they'll just use vitamin D. Vitamin D. Yeah, I have to take a moment. Um, If you're late coming into the Rescuers Radio Show, my guest is Chuck Reeves. Uh, We're talking about uh, his book, Man in Nam, Understanding the Cause of PTSD. So um, th- this is out in uh, in Amazon, wherever. Okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, wow, v- vitamin D. Who would think? Is that more milk? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know vitamins. My wife is the expert. She says, "Here, take these pills," and I take them. So if I drop dead one day, she collects on the insurance. No, it's uh, exposure to the sun. Obviously, it's yeah. the best way to get. Uh, real vitamin, vitamin D. D, yeah. And the supplements in a bottle, you go to Costco and spend $2, you get a five-gallon bucket or something. They're just <laughs> not expensive. But it hits two parts of the brain, which I have to write down, the hippocampus, hippocampus and the hypothalamus thalamus or whatever. But we, those we each have one of those? Uh, yeah. <laughs> your hypo. <laughs> And those are the parts of the brain that control mood, mm-hmm. and uh, the amygdala controls fight or flight, and we're wired one way or the other. This is the way God put things together. Yeah. He knew there were going to be diseases, so he put cures out there. Yep. He knew there were going to be uh, situations that we were going to fall into, and he's got a plan for us to get out of those situations. So step number one is obviously— Get them, get veterans who are suffering from PTSD or have semblance or resemblance of PTSD to start taking vitamin D. The other cure is VA.gov. VA.gov, which, of course, is the Veterans Administration's website. On virtually every page, there's a red banner. You can click that or you can call the number, and the people there will talk. The people there understand. If you just know, you're not alone. There was one night in Nam when, uh, building up to the Tet Offensive, we were being hit more than usual. And we were literally running out of ammunition. Mm. And I had to turn to my machine gunner and say, help is not coming. Oh, no. And you sit there and think, okay, there's some likely outcomes here. Well, too many veterans who are or anybody who's suffering from PTSD from whatever cause, too many of them are thinking there's no way out. We are helpless. 
And we need to be thinking about we're helped more, we're not helped less. Mm. Wow. So, uh, oh, my gosh. That's the year I was in uh, Viet, uh, in uh, Guam, by the way, 68. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah. Building bombs was at a premium. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, for aircraft. <laughs> yes. 40,000 feet yeah. worth. So I have a friend, a very good, close friend of mine, uh, was splashed with Agent Orange. Yep. And he's blind. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, legally blind. He, mm. he can see uh, something on TV if he's right on top of the screen. And... Um, I've never thought of him as having PTSD, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have thoughts about all of that, that he had to survive, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It took 50 years for Congress to finally say PTSD is a toxin. It's a dioxin. Yeah. And if there's anyone listening, if you haven't gone to the VA to apply for compensation— Yeah. Do it because there are now some assumptions. The bunker that I lived in was surrounded by Agent Orange. We were sprayed with Agent Orange, and we also had toxic fumes from a burn pit. But the way the law reads right now, burn pit only applies in Afghanistan and Iraq. So, yes, your friend was hit with that. Why was there Agent Orange there? Yeah. Because he was in an exposed position. They didn't want the enemy to be able to see him or his unit or whatever they were about. He was guiding aircraft in. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Um, I'm going to visit with him about this um, real soon. But, uh, gosh, so it's possible. I mean, the government... um, took its time about proclaiming Agent Orange disability. Yes. It took a decade or two, I guess, or something. I don't I can't remember, but I know it was it was taking a lot of time. And um and this hasn't been really recognized until re- recently or in the I mean right right away they didn't know, right? They knew it – well, if it's going to kill every living thing around it, you would think it would well, hurt the people. Yeah, but I'm talking about PTSD. Yep. Oh, yeah. PTSD yeah. treatment, yes. Yeah. What happened was World War II veterans said, grow up. You're being a baby. Yeah. Well, they had 10 days of combat versus 240. 240. They had 30, 60, or 90 days of My debriefing gosh. and decompression coming home on a ship. Yeah. When I came home – they were proud of their 24-and-out program. I landed in uh, Seattle, got right. on a bus, looked out the window, and saw my first American girl. <laughs> and she spat on the window. Oh, my gosh. Got to Fort Lewis, Washington. Yeah. They measured me for a uniform, gave me a physical, a steak dinner, they called it steak. Yeah. And then about three or four hours of sleep, all we needed then was to get our papers, and we go home. You have developed uh, or helped in developing a video training course to help veterans in 50 states in starting their own businesses and also helping CEOs and senior executives in the corporate world to understand and be part of the solution within their employments, right? Yes. 
we go for the leadership. Now, that video program we built in, in all 50 states, and then some people who knew what they were doing redid it. So now you can go to VA and get the latest version of that. Okay. They keep updating it. SBA also, Small Business Administration, okay. also has some of that content. But for the senior leaders, I want them to understand that they may have employees who are suffering or, in many cases, or some cases, they are the sufferers. Wow. And it plays itself out. We're in our last uh, couple of minutes, Chuck, and, and this is so remarkable and, 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 and good for you to, uh, to stand up and, and be, um, you know, a real go-to guy in this whole situation. And uh, it's needed. Uh, how can people, if they want, get in touch with you or, the, or your book or, or what you're talking about? It sounds like the, the VA.gov is, is a, a real great place to go, go to, right? Oh, yes, and okay. it's getting richer every day. They keep adding content. Yeah. If they want me, chuckreeves.com, except that we spell Reeves R-E-A-V-E-S, not R-E-E-V-E-S. Okay. Uh, the first Superman. That's, was, that's I was just going to say that. George Reeves, <laughs> Steve Reeves. Yep. <laughs> uh, there was a muscle man. I was a kid. <laughs> we were kids. Right. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from them. Those were black and white TV days. Oh, Folks, yeah. th- there was not color then. Yes. So, um, well, got, gosh, I, I just uh, wish we could continue this. And and uh, so the your your website, again, is, is Chuck Reeves. Dot com. Dot com. And my email is chuck at chuckreeves.com. Okay. And again, it's R-E-A-V-E-S. And, uh-huh. and VA.gov. Yes. Okay. Chuck Reeves, you are a rescuer, brother. God bless you, and thank Back you for you. being on the show today. Bless you, Art. Thanks. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.